They don't listen. You know, the, the three-year-olds, you could probably yell loud enough to get them to, to pay attention. The old people, we can't hear. Yeah, but those were, those were kids, though. They paid attention. How are we doing this morning? Um, speaking of Uganda, um, had another bump in the road as far as buying property for the next campus. Um, I, Noel just gave me a quick update yesterday, and he said that the piece of land that they were going to buy had some problems that they found out about, so they didn't buy it. So now they've got to go back and search again. So uh, if you wouldn't mind holding them up in prayer, um, that the Lord would lead them to the, to the spot where they, where they need to be for that next campus. So um, anything else going on this week that we need to point out? No? Fourth of July, maybe? <laughs> All right. All right. Happy birthday. National fireworks what? Yeah, my dogs are not going to be happy that night because my neighbor likes to shoot off fireworks and my dogs don't like it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the choice of dogs was not up to me, and we won't talk any more about that. <clears throat> Although one of my dogs is, is deaf, so she won't know. She won't care. She's blind, too. <clears throat> okay, let's pray, and we'll start. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us together in your house. And Father, thank you for, uh, once again for your word. Thank you for how it guides us and how it teaches us. And Father, I just pray that during this hour you would show us yourself, that you would teach us who you are, and uh, just give us a glimpse of, of how you love us. And uh, Father, I just pray you would quiet our hearts, quiet our minds as we focus on you. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so today we wrap up First John. And you'll remember the theme of 1 John is rest assured, and we can rest assured because of all the things that John has taught us about God uh, and about ourselves through this, through this book. So um, if you'll remember last week, and I know that's kind of silly because most of you guys probably have memories about like mine, <laughs> last week we talked about we know that we have eternal life. And last week we talked about we know that, that God hears our prayers and answers them. Um, so John wraps up this book with, with five things that we know. It's kind of a, a recap of what he has already taught us in, in the previous uh, four chapters. But um, he teaches us five things that we know. The first two, like I said, are that we have eternal life and that God hears our prayers. So today we're going to look at the, the last three um, that we that we know, and then uh, he gives us one final warning. So we're down in uh, chapter 5, verse 18, if you want to catch up. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So 
this is another one of those verses that, that has a couple of different interpretations, and we'll, we'll talk about the one that most of the commentators think it is, and then I'll briefly touch on, on the other one. Um, and it all kind of boils down to what that middle phrase is. He who was born of God, who, who is that? Jesus. This is a unique, that's, that's the key to the, uh, the, the discrepancy between how some people interpret this verse. Um, the word that, that John uses for born, he who was born of, is unique, and it's, it's used here. So um, the commentators all believe that that was um, referring to Jesus, because Jesus protects us. Um, He's our protector against the evil one, and that's what we were talking about before. Um, so we know that we don't go on sinning, and John is repeating himself from verse uh, chapter 3, verse 9. We know that we don't go on sinning, so once we're born of God, we have the ability not to sin. Not a perfect ability because we still have the sin nature, but we don't have the, uh, <clears throat> as one commentator said, a child of God may sin, but his normal condition is one of resistance to sin. So we will resist sin, although we're not perfect yet. Um, so it talks about everyone who has been born of God, that's us, does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God, Jesus, protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Um, and when it talks about touching, it doesn't mean just touch, it means harm, injure, grab, um, so we are protected uh, by Satan, from Satan. Um, and it echoes the words of Jesus uh, in the upper room. And um, I'll show those to you real quick. Um, the G Jesus said whenever, this is in his high priestly prayer on his last night with the disciples, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. <clears throat> so Jesus protects God's children. Um, and again, one of the commentators wrote, while Satan may persecute, tempt, test, and accuse the believer, God protects his children and places <clears throat> excuse me, definite limits on Satan's influence and power. So Satan doesn't have free will over us. Um, God protects us. Jesus protects us. Um, now, the, the question here, um, that's not coming up. The, uh, that first hymn, some translations, some manuscripts have himself in the place of that first hymn. And it says, so it would say, but he who was born of God protects himself meaning the believer protects himself from evil. That's not completely wrong because we are given the tools by God and by the Holy Spirit to protect ourselves from evil. We have the responsibility to resist evil. Uh, we're told in a couple places that uh, you can think of a verse in James and, and uh, Peter that talk about resisting the devil. We're supposed to resist evil. Um, and so we would protect ourselves in that way if we resist evil, if we resist the evil one. 
Um, but again, most of the commentators, everything that I read, leaned toward the first, uh, the first translation uh, of that. And uh, they say that the, the evidence inside the, the manuscripts is better to make that him rather than himself. So if, if any of you guys, and it's King James and, King, and New King James that have the himself in there. Um, so really, both concepts are good. It's just everybody thinks that this is, this is the one that James, uh, John was actually talking about. Any questions on that? Any discussion on that before I move on? No? Good. Because <laughs> that's the, the extent of my grammatical knowledge right there. <laughs> that one. So this is the, the fourth we know. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. <clears throat> so we know we're from God. We're just passing through. We've mentioned that several times. We are not of this world. We are just passing through on our way to, uh, to home. And so I think the big danger is if you were to take this verse out of context, you might start taking a little pride in it that you know we know that we're from God and we're not like the rest of the riffraff um, and so we need to we need to uh, make sure that we don't do that and why is it that we need to not do that because we didn't do anything because we didn't do anything <laughs> exactly it's not of us God did it and we are we are from God because of what God has done um, and it, it, when I was reading that this morning, it was it kind of reminded me of the, the uh, verse or the, the passage that, where Jesus talks about the uh, Pharisee and the publican that are in the synagogue praying and the Pharisees, you know, like, God, you're so lucky to have me on your side, and I'm not like that guy. And the, and the publican is like, you know, forgive me because I'm a sinner, and he couldn't even raise his head. And so Jesus said, well, that's the one that, that went home uh, justified. So um, we have to realize we didn't, we didn't do anything. Um, God did it, and uh, we're, we're blessed through that. Yes. Right. He gives him limited authority. Right. And, and Satan does have limited authority in this world, right. um, but he doesn't, he doesn't have complete authority over any of us. And so that's why I, I like the way that most of the translators, or most of the commentators talk about this verse, because God limits what he can do. And what he did, what, what Satan was allowed to do to Job is probably different than what Satan would be allowed to do to someone else, I think, because um, God knows what we can take and how, how he has prepared us and brought us along. So yeah, I like, I like that thought. And this is the final we know, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. 
and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So we know that Jesus has come and given us understanding. And again, it wasn't because of our amazing uh, intelligence. We're, we're saved by grace. That comes from God. God gave us the grace um, to become his children. Um, who is the him up there in the first, so that we may know him who is true? What did I hear over here? Martin Luther? It seems that the hymn is the Father because it says in his son Jesus Christ later in that same sentence. Yep. So, so the, the hymn is the Father, and he's the true God. And this is true in the sense of real, genuine, as opposed to true being the opposite of false. This is the real thing. He's the real deal. Uh, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so here's the kicker. Who's the he in the last sentence? Probably Jesus. I think that's what the reference. So that is a very powerful verse that he's ending up with. He is the true God. And eternal life. Jesus is God. So, you know, there are people in our day and back in their day too that, that would say that, that Jesus wasn't God. Well, John begs to differ. He puts this, um, puts this out for us. He is the true God and eternal life. And you might expect that there would be translators through the years that would have that have tried to play with the, the grammar of this verse and make it say something else. But from what I understand, and again, I'm not a grammatical kind of person, um, but from what I understand, that, that is what it says, is he is the true God in eternal life. And he gives us one final admonition. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So... The word idol doesn't appear anywhere in the book. Why do you think he put that at the very end like that? Why did he tag that on? Exactly. Maybe it's that idolatry undermines everything that he says in the book. Um, that idolatry is sort of the enemy of the truth that he's been proclaiming about Jesus, the nature of Jesus, how to follow Jesus, how to have assurance of Jesus. Idolatry undermines all of that by taking us off of Jesus as the rock of our salvation, kind of that, you know, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. It, idolatry shifts us over to a sand foundation where the whole thing kind of comes right. crumbling down. Everything crumbles. Um, <coughs> and that idolatry can take a, a lot of different forms. <clears throat> what do you think it, it, what kind of forms would it take in their culture? Yeah, false, idols. false idols, where they actually had idols. That's not so common in our culture, where somebody would have a, a you know, a idol sitting in their, in their living room. Um, but, but in that culture, it probably was much more common. 
Um, what else? I think it's a final admonition that Satan is at work. Mm -hmm. And he wants to lead us astray. Like, like Pastor said, he wants us to lead us away from the true God. I think it's anything that replaces God, whether it's money, power, whatever. If that replaces God, then it's an idol. Yeah. And it's something you better be aware of. Yeah. What's in first place in your life? What is in first place in your life? And right, um, and that's going to lead to a difficult question here in just a minute, but we'll keep that one. Um, I think it also can be like we had talked about several times before the Gnostic teachers weren't denying that Jesus um, was God, they were denying that Jesus was human. And so if you're believing in a Jesus, a being, you're naming Jesus that is different than the being that God has sent, that he shows us in his word, then that's also idolatry. Even though he has the same name, doesn't mean he's the same person. We talked about that a few weeks ago, where a lot of times if you're talking to people who, who have different belief systems, they will use a lot of the same terms that we use, but they mean vastly different things than, than what we mean by those terms. So you, you have to make sure that, that, um, that they're defining those terms the same way that, that we do. So what do you think are particularly dangerous idols in our present culture and society? Money. Money. Power. Power. Comfort. Okay. Stick to the real deal. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's the real deal, and I'll, now keep yourself away from anything else. <clears throat> yeah. I think again in a culture, a lot of the young kids, I see it as they are looking at themselves as idols because so much is me, 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 me. Yeah. Right. Even when they're, you know, go out to eat or whatever. And there's nothing that irritates me more than when I'm with my family 
They figured that out. It is. Um, have you seen anybody? Um, and I, I saw a, a young lady one time. She was probably 16, 17. And she was one of these, these folks that, that is tied up to their phone. The phone stopped working. Oh, man. It was, it was like the world had come to an end because she was texting or expecting a text back or somebody was expecting a text back from her and she, her fro phone froze. And I was like, okay, so your phone froze. No big deal. We'll, you know. And it was a big deal for, for her. But, but I, I agree. I think, I think that's, um, that's one that we see a lot around us. It's probably also worth noting that 16-year-old kids didn't invent that phone. Right. So it's, uh, there's plenty of blame to go around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of uh, the creator of this, you know, good thing. It'll, but it, but it kind of serves the, the idol of, um, you know, sort of maybe constant entertainment is the most important thing or, or kind of constant, you know, kind of quick stimulation mm -hmm. um, that takes the place of kind of lasting, meaningful conversations and things. So maybe um, kind of instant gratification can be an idol, you know, sort of the, the thing that is most important to us. Right. And then the, the, these devices and things are kind of the uh, transmission device it's a, of yeah, it's that a vehicle. deeper thing. Yeah. And if we just smashed them all, we'd find some other way to, to right. sacrifice and to feed that idol mm -hmm. because it's, it doesn't go away. That's kind of the outward manifestation yeah. of an in, inward longing that we're kind of looking for. Well, that's how we worship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, too, it's kids, and I mean, I would say even our generation have grown up a lot of our lives with constant access where you're expected to get back to people immediately or they get offended, you know, and so I see a 16-year-old, they send a text to their friend, then their phone freezes, they're afraid their friends are gonna reject them. They're gonna, you know, it is tied a lot also into feeling loved, feeling cared about, you know, and relationships and things, which also can certainly be an idol, you know, but I think that uh, it's interesting and something that we have to be mindful of in talking with kids, you know, they don't have to be accessible 24 seven. Right. And they think they do. Right. And a lot of adults think they so do, especially with businesses. You know, you think you always have to be available and sometimes it's okay to not be available, yeah. you know? And I think there's an idolatry in that of like, I am not, I don't know, almost like I'm irreplaceable. So right. I have to be available right. at all times to people. And it's like, no, you don't. I'm that important. No, yeah, exactly. I, know, or I, or people will stop thinking I'm important if I'm not available. And that's, that's a tough idol to overcome for sure. And I, I kind of found this out the hard way, similar kind of thing. Uh, last year, I think it was, I was, had an attorney working on some things for me and I thought about it on Saturday afternoon. I needed to tell him something. Mm -hmm. And so I emailed him on Saturday afternoon, not expecting, right. 
I mean, I'm just, so he'll have it on Monday morning when he comes to the office. Because it wasn't something that was life-shattering, you know, it was not an urgent thing. I just emailed him just so he would have it on Saturday. He emailed me back. I'm like, enjoy your family. He's going to call me back. Or sitting on top of the, on the truck and the scooter or whatever. But, and have you seen, I'm speaking of him, and I don't want to dog him because I know it's just kind of the culture these days, the commercial about his work day, where, yeah, he's, he starts at like 7 o'clock and he goes until, you know, late into the night or whatever. <clears throat> or he's on vacation and his kid is the one that's, you know, narrating the commercial that, yeah. you know, no. <laughs> Which I don't want to harp on as using your youth Lord, but it's like comfort is our biggest thing. Yeah. He turns the power off and we all freak out. Yeah. And and that that's the next question is what what are some of the um, potential idols in, in our own lives? You know, it's easy to point the finger to other people and <laughs> and that that is mine, uh, is comfort. Um, that's a problem. Do what? <laughs> what coffee? Well, you gotta have, yeah. Actually, that's one of the my hurricane uh, pre preparation things. Is uh, I, I bought a little French press thing just for that. I don't really like French press coffee, but I can make it without power. You'll suffer. I'll suffer. I'll suffer for that. So you're hitting, <laughs> you're hitting all the bases. All the bases are, are in that one. <clears throat> but, you know, like the other night I got home and I was tired. I had been, you know, driven a long way to get home from work and blah, 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 all that stuff. And I just wanted to have dinner and, you know, sit down and, and rest for a little while. And one of my kids had a flat tire. <clears throat> so, you know, it... Suck it up, butter. Suck it up, butter. That's right. You're, you're a big girl. Take care of it. You should have got AAA like I told you. Um, anyway, she worked it out. I didn't have to go. But, but still, that was my first thought is, oh, I don't want to go back out. <laughs> she lives 30 minutes away, and I'll have to drive back over there. I don't want to do that. And that's comfort. I mean, it wasn't like it was something that I physically was not able to pick myself up and go do. It was something I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, comfort is, is my, one of my big ones. That I have to uh, that I have to uh, guard against. Um, Fifteen or twenty years ago, I taught a Sunday school class here, um, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of the guys that has the um, the psychological up group up in is it Philadelphia? CCEF, those guys. Is, yeah, Pal maybe one maybe of those. Pallison or Trip or. Yeah, maybe one of those guys. And and they were talking about how much of our interpersonal um, conflict is because of, you know, our, our attachment to, to our own comfort or our own expectations or, or whatever. Um, like in that situation, if, if I had not, I mean, it would be easy to, to have a conflict about somebody wanting you to do something. You know, you come home, you want to sit down and relax, and now they're wanting you to go do something else or whatever. So comfort and, and our own um, our own way 
is, is something that um, we're supposed to learn to kind of work around when we're young, but uh, we're, we're not doing that anymore. So um, that is definitely a, a big idol uh, for a lot of people. Are there any more that, that come to mind? <clears throat> but I think you're right. I think it's, it's self. Um, and it's, I was uh, also thought this morning about, um, we had talked, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago about uh, the Church of Satan and how it's growing so rapidly in, in around the world that, that it has a lot of members. It has more members in it than the PCA does. And, uh, and I'm not, not here to, to preach their, their gospel, but um, a couple of things that, that they said, and this is one of the verses that, that it kind of reminded me of. Satanists are born, not made, that they are outsiders by their nature, living as they see fit, who are self-realized in a religion which appeals to the would-be Satanist nature, leading them to realize they are Satanists through finding a belief system that is in line with their own perspective and lifestyle. So, and this was written by a Satanist, that um, they find the, the belief system that fits with what they already believe. So they are, they are already self-worshippers, and they find the lifestyle and, and the, the religion that, that, um, that fits with that. Um, but and this, this verse from 2 Timothy talks about the last days and I'm not one that, that sees the, the last days coming around every corner um, only thing I know for sure is that we are closer than we were yesterday uh, and that Jesus wins but other than that I don't know I don't know the details but you can see here and, and just think about how many of these things uh, are really true for people to be lovers of self lovers of money Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, that's a big one, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying, denying its power, avoid such people. Um, so, you know, you can see a lot of that in our, in our culture. Um, and so it's it's kind of kind of scary in that way. Yeah, the new attraction for young people now is to attach to a particular influencer. Right. <clears throat> and that's scary. There are these uh, specific celebrities or not necessarily celebrities who designate themselves as influencers and they get a following. And whatever they say is gospel to all these people who follow them. Yep. Starting with Bud Light, you know about that. And they can make a lot of money doing that. <clears throat> a lot of money. Well, what about the, towards the end there? It's tough in the beginning there. It's kind of easy, but when you have in there having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Yeah, that's scary. It sounds kind of like to me that that's maybe a church that doesn't that pretends to be Christian, but it has not really focusing on on what. Christianity, where the power comes from. But I don't know, is that off base? (laughs) 
That's a hard one. Um, I don't know. That's that's going to be difficult to do, to avoid them altogether. But I think it's a matter of um, how you interact with them, rather than not interacting at all. Right. And in the, in the bigger context of this passage, he may have been talking about um, church people. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, he's talking, I mean, he goes on to talk about people who creep into households and capture weak women, which is... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to include yeah, that verse. Anyway, I know. You just skipped this part. I skipped that verse. But I mean, the idea being that these are people maybe who are religious teachers are, are swaying them to say, no, you don't need to be about, you know, you can love yourself and love money. And like they're swaying people to believe things that are not true about the gospel, you know, and then it, it goes on and it says always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So people who are constantly like stirring up ideas that don't, that, that are just a distraction from the truth. You know, and are saying, no, I mean, it really reminds you of Satan in the Garden of Eden. That's the slide like, no, you've been looking for. you don't for. need to worry about that. You know, just go ahead and do this. Did he really say that? It's that kind of person who's swaying you to that. Avoid those people. So I think the context is really important. I mean, it's, yep. I mean obviously, if we in, avoided those, we would just have to become hermits and also couldn't be around ourselves. Right? So, <laughs> you know, but I think the idea is in the context, you know, and then they talk about people who opposed Moses and were corrupt and, you know, and, and tried to sway the people a different direction. So I think that that's who specifically they're talking about there. False teachers. Yeah, false teachers. I think in the long run, I, I was reading Proverbs recently where uh, the fruit of the godly, you see the fruit of the godly, and also there's fruit of the godless. And it's kind of interesting that I think a, a lot of the problems that we've talked about, a lot of the idols that we've, we've talked about, um, are kind of peculiar to a, to a society, not just our society, but, it, but to a society that is, um, um, oh, just lost my word, doing well. Mm -hmm. What? Prosperous. Prosperous. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> A society that's prosperous, um, because over in, in Uganda, I don't know. Did you notice a lot of the the the, the people over there? Um, they don't have time for nonsense like like we've got over here. They they're you know they're spending two or three hours a day on water, um, so they don't have time to to 
uh, fight the same fights that, that we have. Uh, they don't have time for the same issues. Um, and so they, a lot of the things that, that we struggle with in our society, they are just completely foreign to them um, because they've got bigger problems. Uganda? Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. That's a, that's, there's a lot going on over there that's, that's some really good stuff. All right. As far as I know, we are finished with First John, but anybody wants to say anything, let me hear it. <laughs> oh, you bunch of chickens. <clears throat> We could do that. Ralph is 75 today. <laughs> and, he does, and he said he doesn't feel a day over 95. <laughs> well, I'll let you lead that one. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ralph. Happy birthday to you. Blame her. Steve, would you close us, please? Father, uh, Lord, we just thank you as we've concluded uh, your word in First John. Thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, I pray that um, we would remember it message that's there for us uh, even today, thousands of years removed. Lord, I thank you for Butch. pray that you'll prepare us to uh, worship you today. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Next week.